Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. Well, that was awesome. So the Apostles' Creed is our historic confession of faith. And in the creed, when we say it, and many of us are familiar with it, because if you're like me, you've said this creed in worship your whole life, uh, we get to the part where we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. So let's say that together. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And then it goes on to say some other important things, but I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Like, think about that for a minute, the progression of it. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the church. Do I really believe in the church? A lot of people don't, you know. Some of you sitting here might have some serious questions about that. And if I'm to be completely honest, I have to confess um, that there are times when, when uh, my faith in, in the church has been deeply challenged, not only from the stuff that's happened throughout the centuries, but, but even for the stuff that, that happens now. Our, our worship series, Credo, What United Methodists Believe and Practice, it's really a, about us getting at the heart of what Christian faith is, like what uh, Christians from all over believe. That's why we profess uh, faith in the Holy Catholic Church. It's little c, meaning all Christian churches. Like this is our faith. This is, this is what we hold to and what we claim. But we're also taking a little, a little time to zoom in on what United Methodists believe. Uh, What is our conviction and our expression that might be particular or unique? And I think it's important, at least it is for me, as our denomination wrestles with its identity uh, and and struggles with that. So I've been uh, reading John Wesley's sermons. John Wesley uh, is considered the founder of of the Methodist movement, he and his colleagues. I don't imagine he can get all of the credit, but he was one of the sparks that fired this thing. Um, Reading about John Wesley's theology... Uh, to, to kind of get at it. And I was surprised, and I actually probably shouldn't have been surprised because he was a reformer of the church. He had no intentions of starting a new denomination. But, but it kind of took me by surprise at some of the harsh things that, that he had to say about the church, the things that increased and confirmed what he called the total, um, the, the total corruption of the church. And he started with... Emperor Constantine. And if you're familiar with your church history, you know that in the fourth century, Constantine, who was the emperor of the Roman Empire, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And this is what Wesley had to to say about that uh, in his uh, sermon that he preached. uh, It was entitled, Of Former Times. He said, Constantine's calling himself a Christian and pouring in that flood of wealth and power on the Christian church, the clergy in particular, was productive of more evil to the church 
than all the ten persecutions put together. Then he went after the monks. Wesley goes after the monks. And you all know my desire to become a monk, uh, a married monk, I might add. <laughs> How I love to find that secluded place early in the morning and light my little candle and burn my little incense. So I tried not to be uh, offended at, at what he was saying. But Wesley said that these monks, those that would escape into the solitude of the desert, uh, those that would build monastic communities, he said that they were just as guilty. I highlighted that in my notes. Just as guilty as Constantine in corrupting the church. And I was like, what? And as I continued to read his stuff, it, it made sense to me. In his sermon, Prophets and Priests, he talks about how this pattern of this great work of God happens in some city or in some nation, in some part of the world. The Spirit of God moves and lives are transformed. And like the people who were a part of that, who, who experienced that, they get to this place where they say, uh, look at their neighbors and, and say uh, to their neighbors, be separate from us. We are holier than you. And so uh, they go off into the desert or uh, they, they build these, these uh, safe buildings or they, they form uh, these groups or, or orders. And no one can be a part of that. No one can belong unless they uh, believe in you know, what they say and practice and, and submit to, to their judgment. But this is what Wesley says after he says all of that. But with the Methodists, it is quite otherwise. He said, the church is in the world, ever active in service to others, but the church is not of the world. It is holy because the Lord is holy. So my uh, friend Rodney, who is also a pastor, he's retired now, but um, we used to get together every Wednesday morning in Asheville at, at Brugger's Bagels. Um, and we would talk about lots of things. We were, we were sports fans, and uh, we tried not to talk about politics because he and I were kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, but sometimes that would sneak in there. But, of course, uh, we mostly talked about the church and what it was like to, to be a leader in the church. And, and uh, oftentimes our conversation would be about the mess that the church is in. Regardless of... Um, how difficult the conversations became, uh, how uh, depressed we would feel or angry we would feel or frustrated we would feel about the church. Rodney always ended our conversations with, well, the institution is worth saving. His words continue to be a gift to me. Some years ago, I was driving home from a church meeting and it was late at night and I've told you all this story before I was I turned on the, the radio and I was looking for the Braves game and on the way to the Braves game I landed on a radio preacher and he was preaching on our text for today uh, that, that Abby just read for us and so uh, at the time that I tuned in he was painting this picture of the church as this refuge uh, the, the, the kind of image that we sing about in our hymns, a mighty fortress is our God, a, a bulwark never failing, you know. Um, 
Jesus' words, and I tell you, you are Peter, and, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I was like, yeah, God is a refuge. It's like this castle. The gates of hell will never get in here. Uh, it's a safe place. The church is a safe place, and I think that's probably what the monks were getting at, too. Like, we have to build and create this safe place far away from everything that is dark and everything that, that is evil. And it's true, you know. We need a safe place. I have conversations with, with many of you. You share with me the, the stuff in your life. We need a safe place because we're broken. Maybe because of the experiences we've had even in our own family or at school or at work. Um, Sometimes we're cast out or we're shamed, but in, in some way we're broken. I, I think about in this political season, I hope everybody's going to vote. I haven't talked about voting, but it's just critically important. But like there's conservative and liberal, not just in politics, but in, but in everything, even within the church. And it's like we all need a safe place. Like wherever you are on that spectrum, like the church needs to be a safe place for us to be who we are, to talk about who we are. We should be able to sit at the table together safely and feast and have conversation that doesn't drive us apart, that just draws us together, even though we're not all exactly alike. So we need a safe place. But then, you know, in this, this idea of the church is a refuge, it's a safe place, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the radio preacher said, have you ever seen a gate attack anything? And that was all he needed to say. His words continue to be a gift to me. Uh, if you've read uh, Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, you, you'll remember that part in his book where he unpacks the words that Jesus uses for hell, not just in this text, but throughout the New Testament. Three different words are referenced, and the first one is the Hebrew word sheol, um, which means a dark, mysterious, murky place people go when they die. Hades, which is exactly, which is how it's translated in our, in our text from the New Revised Standard Version. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew word sheol. Um, it means obscure and dark and murky. And then Jesus often uses um, the word Gehenna. It's translated in English hell. Um, and it literally means the Valley of Hinnom, which I learned is, is, is an actual valley uh, in the, the south and west side of the city of Jerusalem. And so I'm hoping to, to have a look at that in the spring uh, when we go on the Holy Land trip. But in Jesus' day, Gehenna was like the, the city dump uh, outside the, the city walls. People would, would toss their garbage there. They would, they would throw their, their waste there. And there was always a fire burning, this constant flame that was uh, burning up uh, consuming the trash. He said that there would be wild animals kind of on the edge of, of this place. And when they would fight over the scraps of food, uh, their teeth would make a gnashing sound. And this is what he said. Gehenna was the place with the gnashing of teeth where the fire never went out. It was an actual place that Jesus' listeners would have been familiar with. And I dare say that we're familiar with it too. We know 
about hell on earth. We know about dark, uh, obscure, murky places. We know about weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. So maybe you'll pass me in the hallway in a little while and you'll say, so Keith, do you believe in the church? Of course I do. Of course I do. Because the church exists in this community. And our why for being here is to crash through the gates of hell with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. It's our creed. And I, for one, am glad that we're living it together. Amen.